What up, what up, what up? We are back with another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I am not Matt Anderson, but I am here with Sports Guy Rye, Mr. Ortega, and Miles Gorham. We may have a special appearance from Flip Mozzie a little bit later on. Uh, but before we get going, I always got to remember this so that Matt doesn't yell at me when he watches this later on. We are sponsored by That's Badass Wood. Lake Monster Brewing, and Eastside Jiu-Jitsu. All right. Whew. All that out of the way. Miles, <laughs> my man. What up? How you doing? How you been? Good. And, good. Uh, you know, let the folks know what you've been up to because you, uh, you've you added some new things to your, <laughs> your sports talk repertoire. What you've been up to, man, and uh, what you got going on? Yeah, I, I just, just started yesterday with uh, Score North doing a uh, Purple Dailies on draft with Tyler Fornis and, and Declan Goff. So really excited about that and um, excited to be joining them weekly to talk, you know, young Vikings players, you know, rookies, second year players, and then talk about the draft and and looking ahead. So excited to be doing that on, on Mondays every week. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I guess we'll put you right to work right away. Then we'll get Ryan in here. Uh, let's talk about the game. We're talking about young Vikings players. And uh, I mean, there was there was kind of football on last week. You know, it was on late. But uh, the Vikings played. So, like, what were your main takeaways? Who impressed you? Who maybe didn't impress you so much? But especially with the young guys, like, what really stood out for you in the game against Seattle? Yeah, I'll be honest. I fell asleep in, like, the third quarter. Um, and I woke up and the game was over. But the first half, the first half, uh, I thought Nick Mullins actually was was pretty impressive. You know, for the, you know, he started he started the game and played the, the whole first half. I thought I thought he had a good command of the offense. Um, I, th- I just thought he maneuvered well and, and kind of ran the offense the way a backup's supposed to. I know there's always this hesitation. Ryan was really high on Nick Mullins last year. But, but I think, you know, we all have, have our reservations about backup quarterbacks in general. But I thought I thought he played well, and I thought he kind of showed exactly why he's the backup over, you know, the the rookie Jaron Hall. And and I just thought he had, a, like I said, had a really good command of, of everything going on and, and hit the receivers, hit the receivers and hit his checkdowns. Hit, did everything that you'd, you'd want out of a backup quarterback in a preseason game. Awesome. Flip. Welcome. And Miles, you're not alone. Thank Look you. at that. Mary fell asleep too. So, you know, <laughs> you're in good company. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Did you stay up for the whole thing? Yeah, I, I, I think I made it a little longer than Miles. Maybe like 10 minutes, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I dozed off a little bit, woke up with like a minute left. So I didn't get to see all of the Jaron Hall snaps. Oh, you but... saw the most exciting stuff that the, the last minute of the game? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I even watched it. I was so tired at that point. But uh, no, I there there's a few good things and, and a few things I guess you can consider it concerning, I guess. But uh, what one of the, the positives I'll talk about is Ty Chandler. I thought that... Although it's not like he ran for a great yards per carry average or anything like that. I want to say it was just a hair under four, I want to say. But he looks um, springy and and spry in the pass game. He made a couple of key third down conversions for us and kept the kept the drive moving along. So uh, and making people miss. So he, he looked um, he, he looked really fresh and he just looked like he was springy. It's the, probably the best word I could use. So, which should be a good compliment to Alexander Madison if we don't end up bringing in somebody to kind of take that third down type role. Um, from the, I guess, like slight concern, it, I wouldn't even consider it a concern, but watching Lewis scene, what's refreshing about what I saw from him is he was there. 
He was there. He was making the play. He was there to make the play. He didn't always finish the play, but he was there to slow the guy down, whatever. Unfortunately, he just got like trucked three times. And he's like coming out of college. This guy is supposed to be the guy laying the wood. Like he's the guy that's supposed to be knocking dudes out and he's dipping his head uh, again. Uh, I, I think if you look over at Luke Braun, he he did a nice little clip of it on on Twitter where he he showed where yeah he's right there to make the play. Sure, he didn't make the tackle, he didn't finish the play himself, but he also kept that guy from getting another four, five, six yards. Right, he was there to allow the backers to come and finish the tackle. You wish he'd make the tackle, but that's okay. Um, I'm happy to see him in the game. Happy to see that he was healthy, uh, and hopefully he can start finishing those plays going forward. Flip, I mean, it wasn't as late for you. I mean, you get the benefit, no. you know, West Coast. So like, yeah, but he I'm, he's on he's on baby baby dad sleep, so that might be a little different. He's either, <laughs> late, yeah. he's either wide awake or he's dead tired. Uh, actually, it was the opposite. I had to tune out the the first quarter because the Seahawks announcers were just absolute trash, man, absolute trash, y'all. Uh, so when they're when they they had some technical difficulties. And I'm not sure whether that's what happened or whether NFL Network just gave him the hook. That's when I started tuning in. Saw some good plays from Nick Mullins, Ty Chandler, like like Miles and Ryan had said. I think all the standouts from that game have probably been we've reached consensus on. You know, people really liked Jordan Addison, um, his limited play. That it was great to see him. You know, nice Johnny Mutt highlight. People really liked Najee Thompson on special teams. So all those, you know, same, same guys stood out for me. Who, uh, did anyone stand out for you in a negative way? Was there anyone that you were looking at there? And like, they're like the, you know, initially after the game, it was like, you know, the 22, the 2022 draft class was, was, was catching a lot of flack. Folks were really, really hot on Andrew Booth, you know, Lewis scene, missing plays, things like that. Those were like the initial immediate highlights because that's a talk track people have. It was priors being confirmed. Like, I told you these guys were bad. Look at the game. They're out there getting roasted. They're missing plays. They're doing all these things. And so I'm just curious from your perspective, either live or maybe, you know, going back, watching some stuff again, looking at some highlights. Are you in line with kind of where the talk is of like, oh, my God, it's looking like Quasi's, the top of Quasi's first class is going to be terrible? Or are you feeling like folks are overreacting and, you know, the guys just need some reps? Uh, you know, with the, with the picks, I mean, Lewis seen Andrew Booth, I think obviously if you're expecting draft studs from those two guys, then that's not what you're getting overall. I think we can say we're all okay with the 2022 draft class, you know, sure. Lewis seen Andrew Booth aren't at the top of the depth chart, but you've got Ed Ingram, you've got. Um, you've got Ty Chandler now, you've got a Caleb Evans all come into play. So that's really encouraging overall. So even if you think Lewisine and Andrew Booth are bust, you cannot call that draft a bad draft after watching that preseason game because we saw those other second-year players, those other sophomores play well. Now, now I'm not going to skirt the question, you know, Lewisine, uh, he's, he's not where you want him to be, I think. He has a tough hill to climb, um, but I also am kind of happy with the safety room because Josh Metellus uh, looks so good because Cam Biden seems to actually be coming along 
I would love to say, look, we got Harrison Smith, we got Lewis Seen starting on day one. But having Cam Bynum and Jocelyn Pellis right there, Lewis Seen, just the idea that he can continue to recover from injury and pick up a complex scheme, be ready to go by week six or eight, even as a rotational player, that's a win for the Minnesota Vikings defense. And that's something that he can grow into, you know, long-term throughout the rest of his rookie contract. Andrew Booth, probably the bigger issue. But again, um, the fact that we have a Caleb Evans, we have Makai Blackman showing out. The, if Andrew Booth can – he needs more time than he should as a second-round draft pick, 100%. He needs more time than he should. But I'm not giving up on him, and I really like him as a fourth or fifth corner in that Vikings defense. Awesome. So Flip just mentioned uh, Ed Ingram. So Ryan, I'd like to get your thoughts because – Ed Ingram was another one, got out there, got some run. You know, PFF didn't love what happened. And if you're looking at kind of how he stacks up with all the other Vikings O-line who got a little bit of run, it's not great. So based on what you saw from Ed Ingram, Ryan, I guess, how are you feeling about that pick as or that player maybe? Not the pick necessarily. Maybe the pick was good process, but the player, the development, what you're seeing and like what you're hoping to see in terms of development from Ed Ingram as uh, as we continue in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that he can pick it up. Obviously, he struggled a bit uh, in, in both facets of the of the, of the offense, unfortunately. And um, and and you know, we we did bring in Dalton Reisner at one point to kind of get a look, see, and see what he's got. Not to say that this Dalton, you know, Dalton Reiser is going to be the savior. He definitely struggled and had his struggles last year as well. But you know. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they maybe bring in a, another guy or two as friendly competition. As you remember, they, he was going against second team uh, defense at Ingram was last week. So it, it's a bit concerning that he wasn't holding his own uh, specifically because it was that second team, but you know, you're going to give him a little bit of a pass. It's the first live game action that he's had in, in you know quite a few months. So hopefully he gets a little bit more comfortable. And again, He's playing with different guys, right? Austin Slot Schlotman and uh, was it Ole Udo, I think. So he's not playing with, you know, Brian O'Neill and, and Garrett Bradbury, which, again, are significant upgrades on both sides of him, which then in turn would likely make him play a little bit better as well. So um, hopefully when he gets a bit more familiarity around him, he'll, uh, he'll show it a little bit better. But, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a guy like Dalton Reisner or another, you know, free agent uh, to, to bring in for some competition if he continues to struggle. I think what what bothers me the most about that, Ryan, is Ed, I, like we talked about this like like with Laquan Treadwell back when you know back when he was with the Vikings early on. And I'm not I'm not saying Ed Ingram's going to be Laquan Treadwell where he's going to phase out completely, but I think there's still room to grow and be a you know a solid player. But what bothered me is like even back then the Vikings didn't bring anybody in to, to be true competition for him. Like, because he didn't prove anything in year one. And I think Ed Ingram, I know he started all 17, 18 games, you include the playoffs. He didn't do enough to show, like, he didn't do enough, like, clearly enough to not bring in at least competition for him to, like, push him. Like, even if Ed Ingram's going to win that job or they're going to just give him that job, you still need to have somebody in there pushing these interior alignment so that, like, if things are going to are gonna go sideways, you have somebody that can come in and step in. And I think it bothers me a little bit that they, they literally brought nobody. Chris Reed's been out, um, you know, and they literally had to move Blake Brandle into, into, you know, into guard, which is in his position. And again, I'm not saying it, it has to be a Dalton Reisner. I just think it needs to be somebody that has NFL experience 
that they could bring in to at least be like depth, like in competition. And I think that just bothers me a little bit that they, and I, I don't think the whole conversation about Reisner is only about Ed Ingram. I think it's about Ezra Cleveland too. And also think about the fact that um, their depth at the interior line is just that bad. And Reisner is clearly the best offensive guard available. And why wouldn't you want to at least pursue that opportunity or at least see if there's something there, if he's willing to come in in like a backup role. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little frustrated with how the Vikings have handled that position heading into the season. If this is truly a competitive rebuild, not just a, a you, rebuild, you, right? You wouldn't do it because it's a waste of cash. I mean, yeah, you're just gonna you're just gonna throw out your third round right guard in there and hope he's good enough to hold his own. That's just what the NFL is when you've got a bunch of of, of athletes, of veterans to pay at other spots, a bunch of upcoming extensions. So look, Ed Ingram, he struggled in what twelve snaps? I think he played. I don't even think he was that bad. I don't think he was. He, as he bad was. As people he are wasn't really even don't. that bad. And if Ed Ingram completely sucks this year, and we have a bad right guard and no competition for him. I'm fine with that. I would not no. say Dalton Reiser unless somebody gets injured. No, no, no. I'm flip. I'm not, I'm not saying it has to be Dalton Reiser. Yeah. I'm also not, not saying they need to bring in somebody to replace Ed Ingram. I'm saying they need to bring somebody in as like a, a fallback plan because you can't just because of how he played last year, you can't just yeah. like guarantee that, that he's going to be better or be a quality player. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I think they yeah. should continue to give him the chances. I, I have zero issues with that. But I, th- I think you just need to have somebody that has somewhat proven track record behind him, behind both of the guards, in my opinion, not just like Ezra Cleveland hasn't proven so much that he's like a non-replaceable player. I think he's a replaceable level guard at this point, too. So I, I just don't like so that, that's that's my, my biggest gripe. It's not that I think they should be just kind of giving up an Ed Ingram. I don't think that at all. I think they should just bring in somebody that has a little bit more experience. Well, and again, competition, you know, makes the best out of everyone, right? So if if we bring in, we'll just keep using Rossner as the example, since he's the best like, free agent guarder. Well, he's the only uh, one they've been bring in a, 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 yeah, that too. Uh, if if you bring in a Reisner, that doesn't mean he's coming in to replace Ed Ingram, but also Ed Ingram doesn't have anyone on his on his tail right now. You know, like Chris Reed, is he is he somebody that Ed Ingram should be scared of? No. Right. So like we need somebody to come in and really push Ed Ingram to, you know, make him be scared for his job, I guess, in a sense. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be scared for it, but you got to play up to that 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 starting position. And and, you know, competition breeds the best out of all of us. So uh, I think that would be good to bring in somebody as a fallback option, as somebody to kind of push these guys to be the best versions of themselves. One hundred percent. And shout out to Dan uh, and everybody else who just came in. Uh, Flip. Hey, appreciate uh, uh, Justin too. Appreciate you uh, saying congrats. So I appreciate that. Flip. Question for you: uh, As you often yes, are the one who maybe brings us down a little bit, we tend to get caught up in the hype. We get real excited about stuff, and you often just tell us to slow it down. Uh, during the game, on Twitter, after the game, Ivan Pace was basically getting suited right. up for the Hall of Fame already. <laughs> you know the highlights that folks were seeing had everyone really excited. Uh, but then afterwards, you know, again, you know, not saying pro football focus is the end all be all, but like the grade didn't match up with the highlights and the talk online. And so I'm looking for your perspective from what you saw, where does the truth lie? Is it like in the middle of those, which, which side of this are you on in terms of where Ivan Pace is at and his chances to live up to, you know, this preseason hype that we're getting right now? Uh, I mean, the game was great. 
I think what's cooler about the Ivan Pace story is that he's been balling out all camp. Harrison Smith is making comments about him, about his play, playing with his hair on fire. I haven't looked at a PFF grade in two years, so I can't really tell you what they said or how, how that means. All I'm saying is I'm a fan, and we noticed Ivan Pace on, on Thursday, right? We saw him play. It was fun to watch. And he made plays, and he helped us get off the field. So if there's anything to be kind of hesitant about, it is the fact that, look, you know, it is a preseason game. Um, he was going against second string, so there is going to be an uphill climb. But I think just the prospect of having another linebacker next to Jordan Hicks, next to Brian Asamoah, another rotational piece, they're going to be using, you know, the, the big three safety look, they're going to be using a, a vast array of linebackers and, and edge rushers and having Ivan Pace come in, even if it is just as a depth piece, I think is really cool. We should be excited about it as we, as much as we want. Love it. Love it. And then Miles, uh, I want to bring it around to you. Can't believe we made it this long into the show without talking about Jordan Addison, but uh, you know, limited, limited snaps. Look good with him, but like, what were the things that really stood out for you? I know that you got a, you got, you got yelled at the other day on the internet for for calling a rookie crafty, uh, savvy. In a, savvy, savvy, excuse me, yeah. with with his yeah. route running. So maybe you don't use that language. But if there was anything else that you saw out there that uh that stood out for you when you were watching Jordan Addison, yeah, I mean, he did what what you kind of expected. I mean, I guess what you'd hoped him to do as a first round pick, but he he's just so smooth. Like I I think everything he does, he's just. Um, his route running is an ability to understand leverage. I think is just, especially for a guy that's not very big and a guy that doesn't really have big hands. He's got really good hands. And I'm not saying having big hands is the only reason people have good hands, but like his ability to catch the ball away from his body, his ability to just catch and hold on to the ball. Um, it, it's really impressive. And I think that that toe tap catch that they called a no catch. I was hoping O'Connell was just going to throw the flag just because like, it's a preseason. Like it definitely was, and it was a cool ass catch. And I was kind of just hoping you just to do it, you know, just for that, that case, but um, put him on ice, man. Like, I, like, let's see, let's see Addison, how he does in the scrimmage, like in the scrimmages this week against Tennessee. And I think, what is it next week against Arizona? Like let him do those practices, but that man doesn't need to play in the preseason no more. Like there's no, there's no point in it because of these, because of these scrimmages. But I think he's also just shown that like, I think he's ready to have a, uh, an impact early on like right away. And so I think they should just keep phasing him into the, into the offense. And um, yeah, I'm just, I've been impressed with how he's been able to, he put himself into a really bad situation right before camp, you know, with the, the driving situation and all that. But I think he's bounced back really well from that because some guys might've taken a little bit and they kind of might've let it affect them a little bit and, and get in their heads. And I think he's done a good job of just uh, speeding past it. If we're going to go with that. So um, no, I, I just think he's looked really good. And even the day I went out to practice, you could just see it. Um, you could see how, how well he moves. And I love his competition between him and uh, Makai Blackman, just because I think those two are, um, they're two young guys that are just continuing to compete with each Freddy. other, trying to get better. So I was just really excited about it. What up, Freddie Clifford? <laughs> how y'all doing? Okay. All right. We're going to shift gears a little bit here. Unless anyone else has any other like really like super hot takes for like preseason game one. No. Okay. Good. Uh, Ryan, TJ Hawkinson, where are you at 
on the conspiracy theory rankings with TJ? Is it a is it as a hold in? Is it an ear infection? Is it an injury? Where are we at with this? What do you think is going to happen? When is the announcement of the contract going to be? Or is this something that's going to drag out through the rest of the offseason? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. So I, I definitely think there's something fishy going on. No, not fishy. But, you know, I think it's coming. And I, I do think that suddenly that ear infection might clear up quite, uh, quite quickly. Uh, and that balance will return for him as soon as that contract's signed. And it's that pen that he's waiting to get in his hand that kind of – yeah, apparently, apparently the golf links are, are calling him too, and he feels good out there. So, yeah. hey man. Well, I, everyone feels better on the golf course. I mean, that's just facts. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, but I, you know, I think they're close. I'm sure they're close. I don't know. This is complete speculation. I don't have any inside information. I'm not no insider, but I, I have a good feeling. Uh, my 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 crystals are telling me that uh, that we're gonna get we're gonna get a contract here soon, and I think it, it's gonna. Uh, probably one I know flip we talked about this a couple weeks back I think it's going to be one that's going to potentially reset the market or get very close to I know that he's not the best tight end in you think so I think it's gonna be I think I I think that's what he's waiting I think that's why it's delayed as much as it has been is because he's waiting for it to get close to I'm not saying it's going to remain that way but you know, I think he's going to be getting paid top two, top three tight end money for sure. And he might reset the market just because, you know, it, it's not like Travis Kelsey's on a very new contract. He's on a very old one. Right? Mark Andrews is year two. Why, why, are we, why are we talking about these guys in the same sentence with TJ Hawkinson? I, I'm just saying, like, hey, there, there, there are players that reset the market all the time who are not that the best at their position. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. that. Like and and I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying we should do it. I'm saying that's what happens in the NFL. There's plenty of players who are at the top of the market, or sorry, who are the best at their position, who are not the highest paid because they reset the market three years ago in a five-year contract, and then so they wait for these guys to get paid so they can reset it again. So my guess is TJ is going to get probably somewhere north of 15, and and then that's going to be the bar for Travis and for uh, George. And and the rest of those guys. Hmm. Flip, you flip, you 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 seem to have feelings about this statement. You're uh, you're shaking your head. You're upset. What's uh, what's going on? What 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 about what Ryan just said doesn't sit right with you, or what do you disagree with, or maybe you just don't think the Vikings should pay him that much? I guess what's on your mind right now? I I don't understand why we're so attached to this dude who's played eight games <laughs> for the Minnesota. We're we're acting like. He's the second coming of Kyle Rudolph. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But even uh, Kyle Rudolph is a guy who we talked about because we had loyalty, loyalty to him, not because he was like the best tight end in football. And TJ Hawkinson is, it, it's not about ranking. It's about tiers. He is not in the top tier of tight ends in football. Number over two, the last half of over the last half of last season, he ranked right up there. Yeah, for eight games, I guess the Detroit Lions are winning the Super Bowl then, because over the last half of last year, <laughs> they were the saying, best team maybe, in football. I mean, maybe he just needed maybe he just needed the right team to unlock his potential. They always I, say the tight end is drafted for the second team, not the first. Well, team. the the right team went out and they paid a blocking tight end, and they drafted a receiver that looks great while TJ sits out with an ear infection. Look, what happened? How are we still having this conversation? Years ago, Anthony Barr was waiting a new contract. 
he took two days off of practice to go get an insurance policy to make sure that he could still play and practice without fear of getting injured because he had that insurance policy. Does TJ Hawkinson not have an insurance policy to make sure he's protect, protected during this time? Like, get on the field because every time this offense has stepped out onto the practice field or the real field without TJ Hawkinson, they look pretty good. They look pretty good. The continuity message about all, all five offensive linemen in year two of O'Connell's system in, in year two with Chris Cooper, the offensive line coach, they look pretty good. Year two, Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell's system looks pretty good. Jordan Addison looks pretty good. The run game with Alex Madison and Ty Chandler looks pretty good. So TJ Hawkinson, it's time for you to decide, are you even going to practice? Or do you think you're some type of Travis Kelsey megastar who's going to just walk onto the field week one and you're going to be, what, the number two target in this offense? He was last year. <laughs> he didn't yeah, play, and, any, and, he didn't play he at took, all with us, and he got like he 11 targets. He took a week off. He, he got, got 11 targets his first game with us a one week into the system. After he took a week off. So let him do that with Jordan Addison and the renewed commitment to the run game. If that if yeah, that's what you got to do, let him do it. Can we – so – one thing I want to make sure, like, we don't know if this is why TJ's out. Like, he said he has, has like, an ear infection, all that, the equilibrium stuff. I don't know all the details, but it sounds like he's had an infection. So I'm not going to just sit here and be like, oh, that infection is, like, fake, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to also pretend like we know that he's only doing this because of the contract either. Like, we don't know that. So I don't want to, like, I don't – villainize isn't the right word, but I don't want to, like, make him out to be a guy that we don't know because we don't know. Like, he could just actually be sick and, like – that's why he's sitting out. And I'm not, right, like, right. But he's I'm not, not saying the caliber of player that we should be talking about this type of stuff with. Like, oh, I, I if, agree. He shouldn't, he should Ezra Cleveland had an ear infection <laughs> and was awaiting a contract. Nobody'd be like, oh no, why is he doing this? <laughs> Bro, I, well, one thing I will say though is that there's, uh, I, I don't think Quazy's going to let him reset the market. I just don't, I don't see Quazy being that type. Because I think there's too like looking at the tight end landscape right now, I think there are too many players within like the TJ Hawkinson like tier that have gotten extensions recently. And it'd be really hard to give TJ more than those guys. Like you see where Dallas Goddard, Mark Andrews, like those guys sit at the 14, right around the $14 million range in that 35 to 37 million total in, in total guarantees. That sits perfect to me with where TJ should be. Like, as you project forward, too, like, those guys got those types of deals. And if TJ's looking for more, I like, there's no way you're getting much more. Like, maybe you've, if you want to get, like, 100000 more just to say you got more than those guys, great. But, like – Did like, Kyler Murray do that? Like, a, yeah. Like literally like 100000 more? Yeah, like, something like that, right? Like, if, if that's the case to get it over the top, fine. But him resetting the market, just – he's not better than Kittle. He's not better than Kelsey. Like, he's not better than, you know, Darren Waller. Like – there's just no reason for him to need to reset the market. And if that's where he's shooting for, then I'll see you next, next spring. And we'll franchise tag you. Like, like that's kind of what it is. Like if he wants to play hardball, the, like the, the tight end position, isn't the type of position to play hardball because of the, where their, their market is like kind of, it's, it's not obviously as bad as, as running back, but like, they're not, they're not going to give that man, you know, you know, 18, 17, 18 million a year. That's just not happening. Right. So 
Um, I'm not too worried about it, but I think it would be nice to kind of get something wrapped up if they're if they're close. Love it. All right, we got some questions. Let's get these questions. Uh, so, Freddie, feel like we've done a version of this on like a few shows, so we're gonna go rapid fire here. Miles over under eight and a half. I'm gonna say over because I think nine is like right at that sweet spot. All right, Ryan. Right there, I, I was thinking nine is where I was at. So, all right, flip. We're all going over. All That's right, over, over, <laughs> over. Like fourteen, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. well, wow. And Dan says all y'all are wrong. TJ deserves fifteen. He's our second best target. So I'm just going to throw a question in there right now. Moving forward, I know he was last year because, you know, we had, you know, old Adam Thielen out there on the field. But as we move forward, is TJ, in fact, our second best target as we project what this offense will be into this year and moving forward? Because if we're re-signing him for the long term, it's not just about this year. It's about the future. So is... yeah. Is yes what Dan's saying right? Yes for now. I mean, that feels like hedging. It feels like hedging. Yeah, no, it I feels mean, like hedging. It, it's, I just, think... it's just poor logic. If we at this exact same time 12 months ago, Adam Thielen was our second best target. Yeah. And nobody was, was nobody was talking about signing him to a four-year deal. And he like, wasn't 26, Flip. TJ Hawkinson is not our second best target, and he's not going to be by the end of this year. I'm saying right now, right now, he is the second best target on the team. But you're not paying him 15 for right now. You're paying him 15 for. Yes, if if you pay him 15, you're saying that you think he's going to be our second best target for the next three, four years. I think there's no reason to say that him and Addison can't be like that one, like the. This like basically competing for that second spot. There's no reason they both can't. And he still shouldn't get 15 because Travis Kelsey is not the second best target on his team. He's the first. He's the number one target. Of course George he is. is the no one. Kelsey's, one target. Kelsey's deal uh, is like 40 years old not. though. But and but I, I will say like no one's. But no one would disagree if if Travis Kelsey got like a 25 million dollar a year contract. Nobody would sit here and be like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. There's no one's giving tight ends that money. Like that's just the like that's just where we're at. Uh, so I'm not I'm not saying like Hawkinson sh- like I think he should get a contract extension because I think he's good enough and I think the projection forward is good enough. Um, I also think Jordan Addison has really high upside, but I also think Hawkinson showed in a limited sample size that he can be a really good player in this offense. And and if that is the second target. I got no issues with it because I think what they've done around him with around him and Jefferson is really good. I think Addison and, and KJ Osborne, that's a really good like foundation of a receiving group. And so how we decide who's this two, the three, the four, like honestly couldn't care less as long as they're all contributing and, and having an impact. Like it really shouldn't and, matter as long as those guys know, are all like playing well. And you know, Kirk Cousins loves his like safety nets, right? And you yeah. don't get much better of a safety net than a TJ Hawkinson type guy. His drop, right. his drops. As long as he can, can control the drops, but I'm good with that overall. Yeah. All right. So, so Ryan said the name, so I'm gonna go to him for this next one from Twitter. It's a good one. So, uh, Ryan, what's it gonna take for Kirk Cousins to be MVP of the NFL? 
what kind of performance will we need to see from Kirk Cousins for him to be getting real legitimate MVP consideration? And so this came from Twitter. They say uh, 40 plus TDs, 10 less interceptions, 4,000 plus yards. Like what combination of those things brings you to a place where you could say Kirk Cousins MVP and not be saying it with the smile that you have currently on your face? Oh, man. Uh, Patrick Mahomes getting hurt. Josh (laughs) Allen probably getting hurt. Joe Burrow getting hurt. Maybe Jalen Hurts getting hurt. Hell, maybe CMC getting hurt. I'm not quite sure. Justin Jefferson, like, getting hurt. So all those yards are going to TJ Hawkinson. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, you pro- I mean, you got to just – you basically got to win a bunch of games. Like, you got to be, uh, you know, kind of put out a, a, a similar record as we did last year. Get a number one seed, right? And, yeah, and probably something around those numbers. 40, 40 to 50 TDs you probably got to be hedging closer to 5,000 yards and yeah. And like 10 or less touch uh, interceptions. Cause you know, Mahomes is going to do that. You know, Mahomes is going to do that. It's probably going to get close. He might not going to add a lot of rushing yards and rushing TDs. Same with Jalen hurts. So, I mean, you got to be able to, but like at the end of the day, you got to put your, you, you got to, the reason why he wasn't taken seriously, I feel like last year, was because we were barely winning these games. Like we were relying on a Greg Joseph kick. We were well, and JJ. On JJ kind of took the limelight too. Well, and that too, right? I mean, and and you're going to need JJ to be able to mm-hmm. probably to be able to do that if you're if Kirk Cousins is going to put up these type of numbers. So it's going to be really hard for him to ever, I think, overcome that that hill, so to speak, just because, yeah you have JJ here stealing quite a bit of that. I mean, he's the personality, right? Kirk cousins is not the personality. And, uh, and then you got some absolute superstars at quarterback in the AFC there that uh, are likely going to just demand that attention as well. So yeah, he needs to get a number one seed and he also needs to, um, he also needs to like play near flawless. It can't all be JJ. It's got to be a lot of of Jordan Addison as well okay all right we're gonna talk about the titans game real quick just real quick because we're wrapped we're, we're, we're coming up on coming up on time here for for the show miles uh now that like you know more and more teams are doing these joint practices which seems like a lot of what we would typically get in preseason is being shifted into these you know these joint practices where a lot of the starters and like the up-and-coming rookies are getting a lot of their reps in these places and not necessarily in the games like, what are the things that you're hoping, I guess, to hear coming out of these joint practices? Like, what are the most important matchups for the Vikings kind of at a macro level? And then, like, are there any specific players that you're really looking to see how they match up against uh, the Titans when uh, when these practices get going? Yeah, I'm I'm just like, I honestly mean this. I know it's going to kind of come off as a joke, but I'm honestly hoping that the offensive line isn't just like getting destroyed. The interior offensive line, Jeffrey Simmons and... Uh, uh, to hear Tart, Tyre Tart. I don't know if I'm saying that if his, his first name right, but um, he was really good as their nose tackle last year, and I think that interior as as a as a group for the Titans is really strong, and it just worries me. Like in one on one, not just one on ones, but like in the team settings, our O line might just get pushed back, and I'm so I'm hoping those guys kind of hold their own a little bit more and, and win some of those battles. And so 
I'm not obviously not worried about the tackles. That they they haven't been an issue for this team for a while. But that interior, I just worry about. So I just hope we can we can kind of see them uh, win some matchups. And then lastly, like the other part would be the the cornerback group. I just want to see how they handle because that Titans team they like they have. I know they brought in Nuke, and I know they got Traylon Burks. They got uh, Chigo Konku, uh, who's who's a, who was a pretty good rookie last year. So I just kind of want to see like how they handle um, some of those players because they're more big physical type type receivers than they are like the speed. And so just kind of curious how how guys like Mikai Blackman, uh, Byron Murphy, and then uh, um, obviously Caleb Evans, who's the bigger guy in the, in the group, and him and Joan Williams. But um, and then uh, Andrew Booth, like, can those guys kind of step up and kind of show themselves against those guys in that pat and their receivers? So, just curious to see how they handle ha- handle themselves and progress through camp. Just because that's such a a hot button issue for this team is like the trenches and then the cornerback group are like the two er- the areas like of most concern for me. Ryan, same question. Yeah, I mean, Miles kind of hit it on the head. Uh, my number one thing was the cornerbacks. Uh, I wanted to see how they handle the bigger physical receivers. Actually, over the next two weeks, that's going to be kind of something I really want to keep an eye on. Uh, what This week, they're going to see one type of receiver, which are mm-hmm. the bigger physical guys. And then the next week, they're going to see a lot of speed in, in Marquise Brown yeah. and, uh, and Rondale Moore and Greg Dortch and those guys uh, for the Cardinals, right? So – uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how they can match up against the different styles over the next two weeks. Uh, another another call out too is our interior defensive line. I want to kind of see how the well, really the whole defensive line. So D line and then the two outside back outside linebackers, just to kind of see how um, this new system. If are they able to generate better pressures? Um, obviously, we're using a lot more multi looks and and a lot more pressure coming from safeties and linebackers and and slot corners. Um, but you know, I, I want to see kind of how they, they stack up. Cause it's not like the Titans offensive line is like otherworldly. Uh, they used to be great, but they've kind of fallen off quite a bit, just given injuries and age and all that. So I just want to see, are they able to kind of create a little pressure against, um, Tannehill? And again, it sounds like, uh, Willis is, is playing much better this year. And so, you know, we're going to have the the speed element of the movable quarterback that they have to kind of navigate as well. So those are the two kind of things I'm looking at. All right, Flip. Yeah, I think the words are one thing, you know, we're going to hear reports about how everybody's looking. I think really what it comes down to is do the Vikings take action on some of these depth spots that they've been interviewing for over the past couple of weeks. So I think, you know, if they are going to sign a Dalton Reisner or, you know, a, a running back option, it probably happens on the other side of the Titans joint practice. Probably, probably wouldn't make sense to bring them in in the middle of that joint practice. So let's see if they just don't like, you know, like Miles said, they don't like how the interior line's performing or if, if they don't feel comfortable about spot, do they make a roster move to support that? Word. Well, all right. We made it all the way through. We found out that Flip has more beef for TJ Hawkinson than I ever had for Kyle Rudolph, which is <laughs> not what I was expecting to happen on this here show. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So that is it. That is all. Hey, We've hey, made it. Oh, oh, oh I was going to oh, say real quick. Do we have miles. any thoughts on, on the Vikings, like, running back situation? Obviously, they brought in a couple guys as, like, to work out and talk to. Do we, do we care? 
Jason, do you? I know you don't care. But. I mean, you know, I love me some Mike Davis. He won me some money in in fantasy football in the past. But like, you know, they're bringing they're bringing in names that like feel nice to me because of fantasy. But I don't know if these guys can play anymore. Can play anymore? Yeah. That's, fair. That's fair. Well, I just thought it was interesting because of kind of what Kevin O'Connell said about Ty Chandler the other day, just about like they like Ty Chandler, but he's obviously still young and a guy that maybe doesn't know all the the plays and his. Uh, and recognizing defenses so that he can help him pass pro and those types of things. So just something I, I forgot to bring up earlier in the show. But yeah, but uh, bring Mike yeah. Davis. I'll be happy. Wong, who's hurt, and yeah, yeah, yeah. McBride ain't gonna make the team. Like, so. <laughs> bro, how, yeah, he, how, how he didn't look that, great, man. No, how quickly that like turned though, because everybody was telling that dude like like he was the next coming. And I'm not saying like that's yeah. not fair to him. He's a seventh round pick for a reason. But like people were talking about him like. He was a steal of the draft. And I'm not saying he can't still be a good player, but man. Man, I was no. one of them too. I, I loved this I, I was not. UAB, but I was not. <laughs> I didn't watch enough of him. He but. looked big and slow. He looked like Latavius Murray plus 50 pounds. Hey, I was about to say, Murray, Murray been out here to steady, man. He just been I steady. Like, bring him back. <laughs> okay. Well, when we hit the point of the show where we're trying to bring back Latavius Murray, we got to go ahead and call it a night. As always, if you're watching with us live, thank you so much. If you're listening later on, make sure you like, subscribe, do all those things. Tell a friend to watch. We appreciate it. And we appreciate all of y'all. Good show, y'all.